Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. One Broken Cog Podcast. Brian Olson here, and I am very excited about today's episode as I have the utmost respect for my special guest. She's a fierce competitor. She reinvented herself built an amazing personal brand, and followed her dreams with laser focus and rock-solid work ethic. Now, she also had the opportunity of a lifetime and had the confidence and self-awareness to walk away to pursue her true calling. And who I'm referring to is Christina Vargas. Now, Christina is a former WWE diva, IFBB fitness pro, Olympia competitor, and nutritional expert, and she's passionate about helping people realize their fitness goals and live a healthy lifestyle. Christina, it's great to have you on the show today. Hi, thank you for having me. You know, it's it's wonderful. I'm so glad you joined us. And I have to tell you, your daughter is so cute. It's unbelievable. I, how do you not hug her all day long? Because <laughs> I want to strangle her. <laughs> yeah. She's like, she has my personality, but she looks like daddy. Oh, really? So she, she has daddy's look, but your disposition, huh? Yeah. So I guess you just don't sometimes want to be around yourself. <laughs> That's true, right? I always say, man, if I had a twin, I would go nuts. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I have two daughters myself and I'm hugging them all the time. They're always shoving me off, you know, like my arms, like shove me away. And I always tell my wife, I hope they keep this up in their teenage years with boys, you know? <laughs> so. No, she does that to me. I'll give her kisses and she'll be like, stop. But when it comes to daddy, no, daddy gets whatever he wants. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's great. That's great. No, the daddy daughter relationship girl. is so important, right? Oh yeah. Such a daddy's girl. <laughs> Man, I gotta tell you, you are probably the most shredded woman I've ever seen. How many hours do you spend in the gym each day? Uh, I try to keep it under two hours. Is it true though that the more you work out, that it's you're kind of working against yourself, or is that a myth? You know what? I um, I think that's different for everybody. I don't necessarily work out for two hours to be in shape. I work out for my mentality. So, like some days I might be in there for like an hour and a half. Some days might be forty five minutes. Some days might be two, three hours. Uh, like I have what I need to get accomplished or what I want to try to get accomplished, and it just depends. And like if I'm like um, in my own head, it takes longer for me to work out because I'm like working through my own thoughts to get stuff done. I know that sounds really crazy. So, I feel like each person is very different. And that's why I say like listening to the body is the most important thing. And I know a lot of like professionals and everything, they have their own justification of how to do things and how not to do things. But it's kind of like when you push too much and you like you can spend 45 minutes since the gym and you can push so hard, but you really just don't want to be there. And I'm not saying you should quit, but sometimes you have to give yourself the benefit of the doubt and be like, you know what? I need to step away. So I think it just kind of depends. I, like I'm all about intuition and feeling how everything like vibes. No, it's true. It's great to get in the gym because you can mentally focus on yourself. It's kind of like a, I used to call it like a religious experience. It's like, you know, you do it every day, every other day, and you're all by yourself with your thoughts and you're in the zone and you're kind of competing depending on if you work a partner or not. But uh, yeah, great ideas come from it, but it's just great for cl mental clarity, you know? And, you know, I remember reading Scott Steiner's book you know, years ago, and he always talked about, or I think it was Triple H's book, and it was all about the one body part a day. And I, I remember that changed my life, you know, doing chest one day, arms one day, legs one day, and then mixing and cardio. But for me, the toughest part is doing cardio and weights together. I don't know what it is, but it kills me. Yeah, like I, I like to change up. It kind of depends, but 
I can tell if my body's tired and if my body's tired, I'll do like the one body part a day. Or sometimes I feel like, you know what? Like I really want to focus on my glutes. They're not like looking the way I need them to look. So then I'll like focus on that. So I, like I said, all for me, it's just like vibing. I don't like to like justify somebody's body type based on how the world should view what they should look like, if that makes sense. No, no, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. Now, were you born with a really great metabolism or genetics, or was it kind of tough to get yourself into the competition shape? So, you know, I want to say I was, but then there are time periods in my life where I would say I'm, I wasn't because I was always a very active human being. So, like, I never really had the chance to, like, let my body go, I guess, if that's to say. But, like, right after high school, I stopped, you know, it's after high school, you stop doing everything. So I started to get like love handles and cellulite and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, this ain't happening. And then I, somebody <laughs> told me about the gym and I was like, there's a, what's a gym? I've never heard of this before. What, what do you do with this gym? And, and then when I found out like that, it was over, like that was it. And then everyone's like, oh, you need to compete. You need to do this. And I'm like, but I, I don't want to, I just want to work out. And they're like, no, no, you need to do it. So I was like, I got roped in doing all that stuff. And then after I got pregnant, you know, I gained 65 pounds, you know, 15 with the baby, 50 without. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this stinks. Because I was like, really, like for me, like for my body type, I was overweight. I was five feet tall. Like my waist size was a four and I was normally a zero. I was weighing, you know what <laughs> 150 pounds like it was it was crazy to me and then I, I was like maybe I'm not maybe I don't have that metabolism maybe I don't so I just I think it just depends you know of course I also think that with the the muscle memory and the perseverance I think that you know you can keep whatever you choose yeah, no, and you definitely have that. I mean, you you are such a fierce competitor and, and laser focused. And I know you even had to overcome some health issues, right? I mean, how did that factor into your diet and your exercise routine? Did it affect it any? Yeah, a lot. Because I mean, my whole life, I was always pretty sick. So I kind of like, I guess I just felt like this is this is um, the normal for me. Like I was I was sick since I was like, pretty much eight years old. And then I was able to, you know, I guess you just accept that you have these problems. Like, oh, I have, I'm always getting sick. I'm, I'm always getting strep throat. I always have sinus issues. I, you know, I, I always have stomach issues. And then in 2010, I realized I had a heart condition. And that was really hard because I was competing at the time. And then I found out that they wanted to put a pacemaker in me. And the only way to get out of it which the doctor was accepting for me to do instead of pushing a pace on maker on me because of my, you know, bodybuilding lifestyle that he thinks that I would have been okay if I took these drugs and had a huge intake of sugar. And I did a lot of research and I figured it out and I was, I was able to stay away from uh, the pacemaker. So that was good. And then after I had her, then I found out I had Lyme disease and then I completely went into the whole, like, I need to really research health instead. And then I found out a bunch of other stuff 
that made me understand why I wouldn't say like, maybe this is for everybody, but I want to say like a good portion of why people have a lot of problems, including myself. Like now I understand, I guess. And, um, that was probably the, the biggest like eye opener for me, which is why I live the lifestyle I do now. And I try to inform people of stuff, even though they probably think I'm a hippie. <laughs> well, you're doing a great job. I know you have a huge following right now. When you were you know, coming up, I know that you were taught lessons of, you know, perseverance, resilience, time management through early modeling and athletics. Who are some of your mentors? Who did you look you know, to for support? So this is going to be kind of hard. Um, pretty much no one. The only person that I would say like I pushed for was my grandfather who ended up dying. So I, I would always push because I just loved him. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't want to be something average. Right. Right. Um, the other, the other thing would be when I was, I always had, like, I feel like I always had some guide helping me out where is if I was always in a slump, I would find there would be always a friend somehow to like be there for me. So I want to say it was like real people, you know, like they were my mentors. When I was in a time of need, I always felt that I had a hand to like hold and grab. And I think that's why I try to push to help people because everyone's always looking at celebrities and influencers and athletes as people that they need to look up to. And really some of the people that you need to look up to are the people that just live in your home. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely. I agree hundred percent. Now I know you were in the music business at one point, right? Which led you into fitness competition. How did you make that transition? What was that? When was that moment that you knew that you wanted to leave the one industry and join the the other? Well, I made a really bad choice of joining the nightclub business. We'll just put it that way. And when I went to the nightclub business, all the smoke really affected my vocal cords. And then I'm getting nodules on my vocal cords. And I didn't end up getting surgery probably to like three years later. So when I finally got surgery and my vocal cords healed, like, you know, a year after, it was kind of like, you kind of have to do something else. (laughs) So in between, I was dealing with my vocal cords being, you know, damaged. I was kind of already going into the fitness industry because I didn't want to lose something. Um, It was hard, though, because I, I, I was like so upset you know, that I couldn't be like, I didn't know my vocal cords were damaged. So that's where the problem came in. I just thought I was just not good anymore. And then I realized what it was. And I was like, Oh, that sucks. So I was like, I got to make sure that I do really good in fitness. <laughs> since <laughs> I, I gave up that. So you had no choice, right? I mean, you couldn't go back to singing. So you went into fitness, but it was great because you, you were an amazing competitor. What was the training like? I mean, compared to normal working out versus a competition training? So in the beginning, it was kind of similar because I always, like I said, I always go to the gym for my mind. Like I never worked out for anybody but me. But when I became pro, that's when everything kind of really changed because you have to change towards like the last six weeks and you have to eat 
very specific and you have to make sure you're doing a certain amount of cardio to satisfy the judges. So I had to, I had like a certain regimen and I would go to the gym, you know, when I woke up and then back when I went to bed. So it was very, very um, strict. That's why I always wanted to, uh, when I, when I stopped competing, I went to the WWE and then I was, then I found out I was pregnant, but then once I was in shape, I was going to go back and compete one more time, you know, to show everybody that you don't have to do it that crazy. You don't have to be that crazy to do it, but I had Lyme disease. Right. So I had to deal with something completely different than going on, than worrying about doing it, you know, more on the holistic side, I guess, competing versus doing it on the bodybuilder style competing. And what was the industry like, like the competitive bodybuilding circuit? Was it, is there a lot of jealousy? Is there a lot of, you know? So it's so weird because when I got my pro card in 2009, I did it in figure and all those girls are, were like so nice. There wow. wasn't really any like uh, deceitfulness. And then bikini came around. And then finally I moved to bikini and the veterans, the, the veteran girls at bikini were, were a little bit more catty, but they were still more down to earth. So it wasn't really that bad, but going more forward into like the newer girls, it became so unbearable, like not trying to be mean, but they saturated the industry. And the only reason why I say that because it stopped being about fitness and it started to be more about like who was sexy on stage, who uh, had a bunch of followers. Cause now we're going into the time of like of social media where they didn't have that bad. Like they didn't really have, they had social media back in the day, but they didn't have it, have it like they did more in the few years, you know, in the past few years. So, so now it's more of a popularity contest, right? Versus the right. actual earning of the trophy. I, I would say also it depends too, because there are some girls who have gone on stage. Cause I, I don't really like to look at it. Cause it, I'm like, eh. I think everybody's body pretty much looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's like now, you know, like there, and there are some girls that I would, I would look at them and I would be like, there is no way in hell I could compete with that because they, I mean, like they're like 21 years old with the, with this incredible banging body that it, the muscle memory that they started with as growing up, like they were already like, how do I put it? They were starting to work out and look good at 16 years old, if that makes sense. Yeah. And no, they got in much early. Yeah. So they got in way earlier than a lot of other people. And I'm not saying it's not, it's not impossible because I'm pretty sure I could do it too. But a lot of those little girls, because they're little, because they're still 21, 23, they all look the same. They have the same structure, the same, the same glutes, the same everything. And I just don't understand how, how they're picking. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe it's the posing, maybe it's the suits. I, I know there's all these different like criterias, but some of these girls that I know are incredible on stage that I've seen suits, I've seen posing, and they still don't win. So I'm like, 
I don't know. It's interesting, right? It's a money business, you know, and your sponsors involved and the supplements, all those things kind of factor into it, right? And I, I know you finished in the top five in the Arnold Classic, and maybe you want to describe the, the well, I pressure. Top five in the Arnold. It wasn't. Was it top five in the Arnold or? No, it was. It was. Uh, I did. I won a few pro shows, but not the Arnold. They hated me. Really. They hated me. Oh man, it was a lot of pressure when you went to compete there, or did you kind of feel that pressure? I got in so much. How we put it? Okay, so my first pro show that I won was in Houston. It was the Houston Pro, and it was with Lee Thompson, which she's not with the league anymore. And me and Lee were friends, and he knew how hard I have worked to be where I was. You know, I went from figure to bikini. He knew what the industry put me through, pushing me to bikini because I did not want to go to bikini. He he knew that I had a heart condition. You know, he knew he felt he felt bad, and um, a lot of it's political. Like I'm going to be strictly honest. They, you know, they a lot of people pay their coaches, and their coaches pay the judges, and and I don't care what anybody says. Um, they can chastise me all they want, but it's the truth. And back then it was really bad. So when I won my show, um, I was actually butting heads with bodybuilding.com at that point. So bodybuilding.com was a sponsor. And when I tell you, they gave him hell that they picked me. They gave him hell. They were so mad and angry that I took the show. So I already knew that like my career was on a downward spiral after that. Oh, no. So, so like once, uh, once that happened, I was like, well, I'm already going into the WWE, so I don't really need to compete anymore. I'll just do a few more shows cause I'm already in them and then I'll just exit for a little bit. I always clash cause I can't keep my mouth shut about something that I think is like wrong. Well, there you go. No, so you went out with a bang, right? <laughs> I went out with a big bang. <laughs> so you, you relocated to Orlando, right? For WWE. How did you get that opportunity? How did that all happen? So they came to Vegas to do like a, um, a casting call. And I, I went to one of their casting calls here and they had, I think like over 25,000 people. And, um, I was in the room with triple H and Stephanie McMahon. And, um, they were asking questions of like why we should be picked and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think the one thing that they, the WWE wants and, is they want somebody that will give it all. And they knew at the moment, like at the moment that I was there with them, like I would have done anything to be there. Like I would give them my soul at that point. Like I had nothing. I, you know, had just broke up with a horrible relationship. I had no family. I had no kids. I felt like I literally had nothing. So going into the WWE, was like just another athletic move. And at that time too, I already knew that my, I felt like my IFBB pro career was done because I basically told important people to go, you know, F off. So I was like, this is what I need. This is what I want because I can still keep my, I can still keep my athleticism, you know, like I loved, I loved to be in that type of environment. So I knew that I was going to get picked out of all those girls, which was funny enough because yeah, I knew yeah. that I would give them everything. And that's what they needed. You know, that's what they wanted from, 
from the person, they, the people that they picked. Yeah. They love that commitment and sacrifice for sure. And, you know, you definitely have that. What, what was the experience like? I, cause I heard that some people said, you know, when you're in developmental in Florida and NXT, they put you up in a house together and then you travel to train together and things like that. What was the experience like for you? Well, I ended up living with uh, Lexi. Uh, she's known as Alexa Bliss. We actually competed in the IFBB together. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I ended up living with her. Um, she didn't, they didn't put us up. We, we could choose whatever we wanted. Um, I lived with her for a little bit. But I was like, you know, it, it was horrible because when I tried to get into the WWE, I just broke up with my boyfriend. I didn't have anything. And then in order to get to... Orlando, you have to go through multiple physical and health tests. They don't want somebody who is unhealthy, right? Right. Then they can't have them. If something happens in the ring, they're reliable for that person. So they make sure that you go through all this stuff. A lot of contracts, a lot of things you got to sign. It took almost a year, literally. So when I met them to when I walked into the WWE, it was like a year later. And during that time, I ended up meeting somebody, which is now my husband, (laughs) (laughs) father of my, my child. So we kind of, we were already in the midst of our relationship. So I had to give him up to go to the WWE. And that alone was something that I, I was dealing with through the whole time because I'm like, you know, I never had family. I always wanted a family. I know, I know men or vice versa. They're not important. They don't rule your life. You shouldn't focus your life on that. But I was like, I just feel like this person is my soulmate. Like I don't, I can't leave this person. So I had to make a really hard choice. I had to say, am I going to give him up or am I going to just, join this this career like I had to pick career or family yeah I I don't know like I just like I said I I go off of intuition with everything so literally like one day when I'm in the ring out doing all this stuff I just everyone thought I was crazy (laughs) I literally got up I was like you know what I'm done they're like what they're like Vargas what are you doing I'm like yeah I'm done I'm I'm leaving they're like, what do you mean you're leaving? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to waste anybody's more of your time, you know? Like, why am I going to waste you guys' time? I want to be here. I love you guys, but I don't want to waste anybody else's time. My brain's not in it. My head's not in it. I'm not in the game. Like, I got to go. Like, in the middle of practice. I was like, all right, six hours later, packed up all my shit, and I drove back to Vegas by myself with my two dogs. Everyone's <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like what the they're like, what the fuck did she just do? <laughs> you ripped the bandaid quickly, right? <laughs> Pretty much what happens. I'm not really a very spontaneous person. However, I can do very spontaneous things. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, your heart was elsewhere, you know, and true love conquers all, right? I'm sure your husband really thanks you for that move. And, you know, your daughter is here because of it. And I got to say, I respect you so much because, you know, you recognized that your desire to start a family would be hindered by, you know, the road schedule of the WWE, which is extremely grueling. And, you know, to sacrifice an opportunity, most people would give their left arm for. And I know you took a lot of criticism for it. A lot. And yeah, I know you took a lot have of you, heat, right? Have you read the Bleacher Report? <laughs> oh, man, I know. They were going crazy. I remember this. Oh, they're like, she couldn't handle it. She was weak. Uh, well, they had to come up with something because nobody leaves them, right? They, they fire you is how it's supposed to work. It wasn't even like, 
I, I loved a lot of people there. I made such really good friends. Like, I mean, I still message some of the girls that are champions, you know, I, I like the, one of the girls, you know, she literally to me, I admire her because she, she struggled and she, she like, she worked her ass off to get where she is. And, uh, that, that's about everyone knows her as Becky Lynch. Oh man. Becky Lynch. Yes. Okay. That was one of the girls, like before I left, she was dealing with a lot of money issues. And at the time she was having problems with her teeth and it was going to be like $6,000 to do it. And the WWE wow. wasn't going to give her the money. She didn't have the money. She didn't know what she was going to do. And somehow she scrapped together whatever she could. She did whatever she could. Like, I mean, this girl persevered. She deserves everything she has. That's all I gotta say. And That's what just, I'm saying. Like, there are some girls in there that I'm like, man, I I just respect them so much. Yeah. What about respect Nia Jax? Right. I I don't really know her to like comment on it. I'm only like the only people I know are the people that I you know were in development with. Like, I know Lexi worked very very hard to get where she was, but the difference between Lexi and Becky and me is me and Becky didn't have anybody with us at that moment. Like Becky was alone, you know, she was all alone. Like she did indie wrestling. I think her parents and everything were in Ireland. Like she was by herself. Right. You know, it's different. I had nobody, I had no family, nothing. Lexi, she was lucky. She was really young and she had the support of her mother. And that's amazing. You know, and I don't take, I don't discredit her for getting where she was. No, absolutely not. But it's just a different mindset when you have nobody, if that makes sense. It's, it's a lot, it's, it's, it's harder mentally because when you feel like you have nobody by your side and there and something bad happens or a situation occurs, you give up easily. It's easier to give up than having that voice beside you, that loving voice beside you saying, I know you can do it, honey. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Oh, yeah. So, no, absolutely. It, it, like I said, I don't discredit it. It's just different. Yeah, I know so, it is really. And I know uh, Becky Lynch just gave birth too. She has a brand new baby now. I know. I'm so happy for her. Like, I'm really happy for her. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, you know, I got to say, Christina, recently there has been something that has come up to light called the speaking out movement. And it's basically talking about a lot of sexual harassment and a lot of, you know, really toxic work environments within wrestling. What, was that happening when you were there? Because you always hear about stories about, you know, like Bill DeMott being abusive to people. And I know he was fired for that. And you always hear those stories, but wrestling is so tight knit. It's like a family. Nobody really wants to say anything. Did you experience any of that? Or is that more of a recent move? So like I heard those, I was hearing those rumors when I was there. Maybe I wasn't there long enough, but no one disrespected me. Oh, good. That's good. No one, no one disrespected me personally. And I didn't hear of any other girls that I knew being disrespected that I was in development with. So I can't really talk on that. Um, I mean, I know some of the girls were extra, I guess you could say there were some girls that worked their ass off and there were some girls that were extra, but wow. I think that's in every industry um, where women like to use their sexuality to get where they need to be. I'm not going to mention names, but I think the, the where I was in my development process, there were a lot more girls that were highly respectable. 
I'll just put it that way. I got I got in at a good time where I, I saw more driven, hardworking women than I did the other stuff. And I and it's and it really sucked because um, I was in there when Paige was in there and Emma and Emma wasn't very nice to me because, you know, I was a new girl, um, but they worked so hard and they were, this was their life. Like even Sasha Banks, like this was their life. They didn't care about anything else. So like, you know, I wouldn't say they've pushed me out, but I also had, I also made a decision based on, on them too. Like, why am I going to go? Cause we're, you're like a family, right? Like, why am I going to go through this journey with them? And then I'm going to leave a year or two later because I couldn't, I, I didn't want to stay because I was still in love. You know, like I didn't want to do that because I know these girls work really hard and like you can, when, when you work with them, you may also have a character with them. Like you may also tag team with them. So like they rely on you. So if I left when they were relying on me, I was really doing them a disservice as well as myself. And I didn't want to do that to people I really respected. Yeah, no, absolutely. makes a lot of sense. Now, I know that you were in consideration for the show Total Divas. I know it's a very popular show, and you know the Bella Twins kind of got famous from the show. Any memories of that, maybe the casting process or, or any of the stories behind it? No, I just got like a, an email saying that I pretty much was going to go, and because I lived in Vegas, they were like, we're going to opt you out. And I was like, oh. that, that sucks. Because <laughs> like, they made the other girls like the other girls never wrestled. True. They never did anything. They were just pretty much like on the show. They were stars overnight, you know? And I mean, that all that has its good and it's bad, you know? So. No, it's true. It's always, it's tough to look back and say, what if, because you know, your life is so great. Now you have an amazing family. You, you know, built up your own personal brand. Things are going so well. It's just interesting how things work out that way. You know? Yeah. I think some, you know, you, you have to look at things as things are meant to happen. And that's no, just the way to look at it. Well, absolutely. And speaking of that, I know you moved to Chicago to start a new sh chapter of your life and to help others achieve their fitness goals. What led you to the decision to start, you know, kind of your own venture and, and move locations? Uh, we wanted to be close to the family, but I really um, had no friends there. Like it was a, it was really brand new and I just do not like the cold and Vegas is like a city that never goes to sleep. So like, even though people look as a party city, it's really not like, okay, I lie. It is a party city in certain areas, but it's really common others. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I just, I feel like, it, like in other cities, it just shuts down where Vegas doesn't shut down. So if I wanted to go do something or hang out or whatever, my mind was busy. There's always a way to get out. Whereas other cities you couldn't. And I couldn't handle that being in Chicago. I'm like, I have to go back. I can't, I can't stay here. And I can't be <laughs> cold anymore. Yeah, no, it is brutally cold. I always tell people hell is not hot. It's very, very cold. It's on the top of a snowy mountain somewhere. I'm with you. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, I know you've been helping your clients like crazy. I see some great testimonials. Maybe you want to share just a couple of success stories from some of the people that you work with. A lot of people, they they always come back to me like it's it I wouldn't even say it's so much their body. It's more their minds. I feel like I'm a psychologist. 
Wow, so it's mind and body working out here. Yeah, because they they always like call me back and they're like, oh, this really this really helped me. But it was more so like a health issue. It wasn't necessarily like their body. I, I kind of veered away from like from like more competitive, you know, working on people's bodies and like depicting them versus like helping people like do a lifestyle, like create a lifestyle. Cause I feel that you know, the front, the side and the back shot is a facade. Really, the thing that matters the most is can you walk? Can you jump? All right, do you feel happy about yourself? Um, do you feel that you love yourself? Can you can you do a bunch of things? Whereas verse, you know, what do you look like? Right. I didn't really, um, as much as I do love being in that limelight for a little bit, I just don't like you know, the, I just don't like the attention it gives. Cause I feel like it gives, especially, and, and I think that's what happened too. When I have a daughter, it kind of like turned me out a little bit too. I, I don't, I don't like what it does to the, the new generation of women where they feel that they need to be perfect. And that's with the social media too, with the filters and all that stuff that doesn't help where everyone feels like they need to be perfect and no one has imperfection. It's true. So yeah. I do not like that because there are a lot of people that competed that destroyed their thyroid and you'll never see them again. They've literally were on stage. They, they had a good run and they're done. They're done. They're really fat or they are extremely depressed. Just a lot of things that, that occur that no one will ever hear like stories of these, these women. And and men too. Um, but it's more so women because women can lose their thyroid quicker than a man can. So a lot of, of these women have that. And, um, I just, I just don't want to give that message to the, the younger generation. And I wanted to be more of a, a model for my daughter versus like somebody that was giving her false lies. Yeah, no, you're a great example to her. I know that. And I know that you've mastered the art of social media presence. I know you've elevated your own personal brand. I mean, how did you gain such a huge following on social media? Uh, I can't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What you're saying must be resonating. I mean, you got a huge following. I feel like if you're like, there, okay, a lot of people follow girls or people in general, because now there's guys too. They just follow them because they look really good. They have money or they may think they have money or, you know, they take pretty pictures. But like, I feel that people who want to follow other people, they want to resonate with them and they want to feel like those people are actually human. So even though you have those people that do have a lot of followers, which some of them are bots, I'm not going to, I mean, let's be call a. Uh, spade a spade here a lot of those followers are bought a lot of the things uh, a lot of the likes are bought um you, you can buy them very easily so a lot of that also is a facade but if you resonate with people like that's going to be more stronger than anything because then you'll keep those people forever right yes because they always know that you're not going to lie to them they always know you're not going to be a sellout they always know you're going to tell them the truth and it really is hard at this time, like in 2021, because I'm getting canceled. <laughs> oh, no. 
you know, if that, if that makes sense. Like they're trying to cancel my voice. And then some people I actually just posted the other day, which was funny. I had some guy tell me in 2015, what an awesome person I am and blah, blah, blah. And basically my recent post is like, you're horrible. Oh, you're man. the worst person. And it was just like, man, what happened to society where we just can't have a voice? And if the, vo if, if the narrative isn't what you feel it should be, then you basically execute them. And I think that it's really, really hard now, especially for people who want to be true to themselves. And I haven't, and I think that's why I've been kind of quieter on social media the past few months, because I don't, I don't really have the words to put to tell people or to tell anybody like how I feel. Cause I don't want to just tell people how I feel. I want to like, you know, give them insights about like spinach and I want to talk about <laughs> heavy metals and I want to do all this other stuff. But I feel like even though I want to do all that stuff and give them all this knowledge, I think that it's really important that people stop judging others and stop attacking other people. I haven't really like, like, I don't, I, I know that by sit, by keep talking and doing all this stuff, I'm then going to turn my social media from this holistic lifestyle I'm living to like this person that's only preaching about, you know, freedom and things like that. And I just didn't want, I don't want to twist it like that. So I really haven't been able to like mesh them together. So I'm kind of in that like gray area right now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sure you'll figure it out. But you know, it is, it's a risk when you want to speak your mind to be honest. I mean, you have a great following and you know, you're very authentic and genuine. I think that's what endears people to you. But uh, you're right. It's, it's a real risk. It was okay. 2021, it is not okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, man, I didn't get the memo. What happened? It's too late now, right? You already uh, have the scarlet letter, you know? <laughs> I mean, I still would do it. Like, it's it's a it's a really bad quality, I guess. Maybe it's a good quality for some people. Think it can be a good or bad quality, double sided sword. Like I would literally be persecuted in front of public just for my mind. I would not. I would never do anything. I would never bend. Like I guess you say, I've never bend the knee. I would never do it. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's a good example for your your children, and it's a good example for society. I think. I mean, you have to be honest, and you have to be uh, forthcoming for sure. Now, I know that you're a conspiracy theorist, right? What do you think is the number one conspiracy that's going to prove to be true in the next year or so? The new world order. Oh yeah, <laughs> in the yeah. next year? Uh, maybe, maybe. I I think it may. I, I don't know. It's going to be hard. It, it's going to be, it's tough, maybe, but I really think it's coming quicker than everyone thinks. Yeah. I, you know, you never know, right? <laughs> yeah. I think it's coming quick. I mean, at least I know, I think for sure what's definitely going to happen, which I pray, I pray to God every day. It doesn't happen, but mandatory vaccinations for sure, where you can't go, you can't buy, sell or anything without a vaccination. Yeah. You can't even travel without it. Right. And I hear people dying. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, like I said, the truth is good. Like my daughter almost died of the rotavirus vaccine. Really? So I have been researching vaccines for quite, quite some time. And I, you know, um, a lot of people like, oh, we don't like anti-vaxxers. You know, it doesn't always happen. There's an adverse reaction and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know what? 
Yeah, you may be right. Okay. But there are also those people that do react. You know, there's, um, there's these, I was reading one day, there's like a million people in the world. I forget what it's called. It's, um, it's a basically a steroid disease, a topical steroids, um, where these people, they've used steroids their whole life because they have autoimmune disease or whatever, or they're allergic and the steroids don't work. So once they stop using the, the steroids or they can continue using them, it actually rips their skin off. Oh man. And they literally have to like, they go through years of their skin ripped off and pussing so their skin can formulate new skin. And there's so many diseases and things in this world that people just are unaware of that there can be a reaction to anything and we shouldn't force people to do something that could hurt them and destroy their life. We really shouldn't do that. And I just and I just don't like what's going on in the world that if somebody's sick and you're next to them, you could have possibly got them sick or killed them. I think that's ridiculous because there's so many people with the flu, you know, back in the day that could give somebody the flu, but no one would blame them. But in 2020 and 2021, you're basically a killer. And the reason why I feel so strongly about this is because when I had Lyme disease in the beginning, I was neurotic, neurotic, because anybody who came near me that had a cold, that was sick, that did anything, um, I would get sick immediately for weeks. And I was always sick. And I would just, I would be neurotic with my daughter going to school. Like, don't touch anybody. I don't, I want you to blow your nose. Like you, you, you can't, you, um, good. You have to wash your hands. Like I was crazy. And, um, when I started to research and I started to understand the immune system and the body and vitamins and minerals, I realized shit, it's not other people that I need to worry about. It's myself that I need to worry about. So now that I know this, it's, I, I, I want to try to share that with people, but it's really hard when you're in that neurotic fear state and I was in it before. So it's like, it's, it's two worlds that have to collide and be one. And we're just not colliding very good because no one has empathy for anybody so I think that's where the problem is um, coming out right now. And it kind of stinks. And I just wish more people would have empathy for more people. Like I remember, uh, don't remember, but yesterday I was in the doctor's office and I don't wear a mask anywhere because I have a health condition. Like I said, I have, um, I don't know if I mentioned it in here. I think I did. I have a, yeah, I did. I have a heart condition, neuro, neurocardiosyncope. And I also have Lyme disease. And I have another condition I'm not mentioning at this moment, but <laughs> which is why I was in the doctor's office. But um, I can't wear a mask. So because of the way I look, I get condemned. Like I have that invisible disease that condemns me for being a killer. And I think it's really, really shitty. And they attacked me at the doctor's office. And I had to be so calm and I had to explain to them and I had to say, it's okay. I just need to have this in writing so I can go to the ADA about it. 
um, or my lawyer, like whatever, like I was very, very calm. And in the end, I ended up still being able to go there. The people that were mean to me ended up having some empathy, empath they were empathizing with me. I was empathizing with some of the people there because they ended up getting the coronavirus and it was very scary for them. Like it's, it's not about attacking us. It's about understanding each other. And I think if we all just sat down and tried to understand each other, we wouldn't be in such a predicament that we are today. And that's why I really hate the censorship, the way media presents itself. Cause they do, they did it, you know, they do it with, you know, back in the day where they, you know, just put sexy women on the page and made people feel shitty about themselves. And they, you know, they do it by putting this narrative out and that narrative out. And it's like, whatever happened about just having empathy for our fellow human. <laughs> I know, right? Keep it simple. Do unto others, right? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Christine, it's been awesome. Really appreciate it. I have one more question for you. Just a personal question, just to get to know you a little bit better. So you're going to be retired on an island for the rest of your life, okay? You can only bring one book, one movie, and one album. What would they be? Okay, so the one book I would definitely bring is going to be uh, Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza. <laughs> huh. And um, a movie I would probably bring um, John Q. Nice. My favorite movie. What was the other one? An album. An album. Oof. I'd probably bring a soundtrack that didn't have any words. There you go. Nice relaxing music. Yeah. So I could like make my own music or so I could like think of something else. Like that way I won't have to listen to the same repetitive stuff. There you go. Christina, it's been awesome. Now, how do people get in touch with you, connect with you? learn more about what you're doing as far as your coaching? So first and foremost, I would say because of all the canceled culture, go to christinavargas.net. And that's first and foremost, sign up to my email list because I will be putting out more stuff. I'm making my website more uh, blog friendly as well as I have a few things coming out. I really want to do a podcast this coming year. So that may come in the future. Um, as well as if I don't get canceled, you can go to my Facebook, which is <laughs> Vargas26, and my IG, which is Christina Vargas. And I have Pinterest. I mean, Pinterest. I, have, I do have Pinterest. It's Christina Vargas. But I have Twitter, um, Var Vargas26 as well. So, you know, all those little things. Parlor canceled, so I can't tell us to go to parlor. <laughs> That's right. No more parlor, right? <laughs> no, more, no more parlor. I guess right now I'm trying to get on Gab, but it's really hard to get on there. The system keeps crashing. <laughs> Now you just got to get on Clubhouse, right? Oh my God. There's like a new social media thing every day. I'm kind it of is. TikTok, every, it's everywhere. It's, it's exhausting, right? Yeah. I, I, don't, I won't even sign up to TikTok. I'm done. There you go. Well, Christina, it's been awesome. Thank you for joining me. It's been wonderful. Have an awesome rest of the day. Awesome weekend. Let's stay connected and keep up the good work. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line.